What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Mind Your Marketing. Today on the show, I'm sitting with Sarah Strope. She is the CMO at TaxJar. We get into a conversation about being customer-centric and how her and her marketing team did that. They went through a bunch of exercises, did a lot with their existing customer base to really find out what do their customers need? How can they adjust their content? How can they adjust their messaging? How can they adjust their service to make sure that they are serving that customer appropriately? So I really like this one, especially if you're at a friction point you know, in your company where you're like, hey, we're going from small business owners to now mid-market or we're going from mid-market to enterprise. And it's a new, you know, set of customers with new needs. So this might be something that's really useful to you. But before we get into it, this show is brought to you by High Class. That's H Y Class. Co. It is a platform where you can go through and learn how to start your own business, take courses around starting your own business. There are a ton of free resources, newsletters, blogs, etc. So make sure to go check out highclass.co. Once again, that's hyclass.co. Alrighty. See you guys in this episode. What's up, my marketing people? Welcome to another episode of the Mind Your Marketing Podcast. Today, joining me is Sarah Strope. She is the CMO at TaxJar. Sarah, how you doing? Great. How are you? I am well. I'm excited to have you on the show and talk, you know, all things building a company and brand that is customer-centric, how you do that. But before we jump into that topic, I want to set the table for the listener. So let us know, you know, where you kind of give us your backstory. Were you always planning to be a marketer? Was it something you fell into? Walk us through your journey to date. I'd love to hear it. Sure. Sometimes I like to frame myself as the accidental marketer. I actually started out my career as a lobbyist in Washington, D.C. And I now look back and realize what a great foundation lobbying is for marketing. Lobbying is all about understanding your constituents, knowing the issues and being able to explain them, and then making compelling calls to action, getting your constituents to be engaged, and then getting members of Congress to take the action that you desire. And you can start to immediately see the parallels with marketing in terms of knowing your customer, having compelling calls to action, being able to describe your product and its benefits. And so I call myself the accidental marketer by way of being a lobbyist. I also moved from lobbying into my first startup. And so that was a really interesting point in my journey to go from direct lobbying to a startup that worked on software for advocacy and fundraising, and then catapulted me into the world of startups, entrepreneurship, data management, and the like. I love it. It's interesting. And you can definitely see the parallel between lobbying and marketing, which is ultimately the art of persuasion, right? How do we persuade and right. How do we sell and how do we tap into people and really what their motivations are and how we can help that, right? So I love that as a foundation. So let's fast forward, right? You get into marketing, you are working at agencies, you spend some time at IBM, and you kind of start to get different, what I would call flavors of marketing. You have the big corporation, you get the agency side with a bunch of clients, and then you get to tax jar. So now you come in and you join the company. What was the size of the company roughly when you joined? Yes. When I joined TaxJar in March of 2020, we were around 20,000 customers. We had about 200, actually less than 200 employees. And I had a marketing team of about 10 to 12 people at the time. So we were really at that nice kind of scale up or growth stage startup. I love it. So you come in and there's a marketing team of 10 to 12. What was like, let's peel back the onion, right? What was the first thing sure. when you came in where you're like, okay, 
I got to get this data or I got to, is it just immediately start talking to customers or is it, Hey, we have to hit this user count or customer count. Like what was that first, you know, couple months like for you? Yeah. Well, let me set the context a little bit more for what was happening at TaxShar. And of course, everyone remembers what was happening in March, 2020. So it was the start of the pandemic. The second is that TaxShar was benefiting from the tailwinds of two major pieces of legislation that had been passed in 2018. One was a marketplace facilitator law, and the second was a Supreme Court decision, Wayfair versus South Dakota, that required a lot of online sellers to collect sales tax. And then the third was that we were naturally and organically moving up market. We had been built on the foundation of a lot of small businesses, and we were already starting to move into the mid-market. So I came in in March 2020, and to the question of where to start, well, we had an opportunity to win larger customers, but we didn't quite know them or what was different about them. We were thinking about how to respond to the pandemic. And, you know, we had these kind of major pieces of legislation that a lot of people still were trying to understand. So when I looked at that context and what we could do, we realized that we had this huge opportunity to understand the mid-market customer much, much better than we did at the time to really think about how the next level of our education and communications could benefit our all of our audiences along the journey. Uh, Taxstar had a really fantastic sales tax blog that was really the foundation for all the inbound marketing and all of our content-driven marketing. But how could we up-level it and share more about all of these legislative changes happening? And then the third was Obviously, with the pandemic, some industries were accelerating and some were suffering. And so was there a certain segmentation of our audience that we should double down on during that time frame? And so that's what started the journey with the marketing team to look into how well do we know our customer? What else do we need to learn? What could we do to kind of evolve our messaging and positioning and brand as well as our content marketing that had been really the core engine of Taxar to that point? And you're doing the content marketing, you have the blog, and it's it's creating you know the demand generation and sure, all of these queries that are leading people through. But what about the gray area, that space in between, like, we kind of have a hunch, but we don't know if that's what the customer wants, was how did you go out and learn from the customer that way? You said like the mid-market kind of had their different needs than the small business owner. Was it yeah. customer... Was it surveys? Like, was it a survey monkey thing? Was it calls? Was it like just talking with salespeople to be like, hey, this is what they're asking for? What was, you know, maybe if there was one or two or three or what have you feedback mechanisms that you used, where, what did you go to? Yeah, the first one we did was customer interviews. We actually reached out to our existing customer base and did about 45 live interviews with existing customers. The second thing we did was actually interviews with prospects. And I think this is something that you can do at any size company you're at. And you think, oh, how do I reach them? One, leverage your network. That was the first way that we reached out to prospects. We're trying to reach finance leaders. So call up the finance leader at your past organization, reach out to your college friends, who's in a finance role. And you can also leverage research firms. We did that as well. But it was kind of the combination of those two to do prospect interviews. So those in-depth interviews and setting a questionnaire and knowing what you're going to ask in each of the interviews was 
tremendously helpful. The second thing that we did was really like listening to both our customer support team and going through support tickets and kind of finding out what were major themes that they were asking, where were people having hurdles, not only in our product, but a lot of times it meant in terms of their actual knowledge and gave insights into what was happening in their business. And the second internal piece we used was riding along or sometimes listening after the fact on sales calls using tools like Gong to listen to those conversations. Cool. I love taking the, um, what do I call it, diversified approach to learning about your customer. Yeah. I like that. Now you get all the information. Was that all put into a new strategy document? Was it already just kind of layered on top of what was already existing? Like, was it a complete pivot or like in, from a messaging standpoint or walk me through that? Was it an iteration or would you call it more of an innovation with regards to the messaging? That's a great question. I might say it was actually a little bit of both. It was mostly iteration, but there was some innovation within it. So what we did with all of this customer data is that we tried to distill it down into a couple key points. And we wound up landing on what we called four customer truths. These were things that all of the bin market customers were saying in some form or fashion. And then we took those four customers true. And we actually created a slide deck and we embedded some of the videos and some of the kind of quotes from the customer interviews into the slide deck. And we shared that out across the company. We did a number of education sessions across the company to make sure that everybody at Taxshar got a sense of not only what were the facts and figures a mid-market customer has this much revenue, this many employees, but actually got to hear in their own voices what the struggle was when they were saying, I feel like I'm a teacher who's one step ahead in the book when it comes to keeping up with my compliance. Or another prospect who said, I never, ever, ever want to have to deal with a registration ever again. And to hear those points of frustration or, or uncertainty live was so telling. So we distilled all that information for customer truths, a PowerPoint presentation that we walked the company through at different points in the process, and then in turn used that to develop new brand messaging and really take a new lens for our content. So we went back through some of those blogs, some of those state guides that we had, and we said, how do we shift the even the tone to be a little bit more straightforward, a little bit more forward looking, as opposed to being as reactive and, you know, kind of educational and hands on as it had initially been for SMB customer. Very cool. It's always interesting to see when you go back and change that content. I love to the internal kind of beacons that your team can come into and go, okay, these are the four truths. Now here's our new lens. Right. Is what I'm creating fitting into this? You know, because sometimes, exactly. I, I mean, I'm guilty of it. I start creating content and I'm thinking it's the greatest thing since, you know, since sliced pie. And then yep. I get there and I'm like, this doesn't even fit the, like the ethos of the company, nor the, right. the customer problem I'm trying to help them solve. But I love the content. And it's like, all right, I need to go back to the drawing board. So I do love, I love having that, especially for internal teams to look at. Now with the content creation, are you all... Is it all created in-house? Are you using you know, freelance writers? Like I ask that because I always find when you add in the freelancers, yeah. although they have area expertise, they don't have brand expertise. So that is always kind of, a, at least for myself, can be a little bit of a, a point of tension. Yeah. So most of the content creation for Taxar was in-house. We only used a few outside consultants or freelancers from time to time. And they helped with a couple blogs at times and um, helped with a little bit of product marketing messaging. 
when we did an overhaul of the website, but most of it was in-house. When we did use outside assistance, that's where having gone through those four customer truths and then distilling that into brand voice and having examples of how the brand voice comes to life. And we even had taken a few of our web pages and core content pieces and shown this is what the original version was. Here's how we rewrote it in the new voice. So we actually gave those examples when we brought somebody new on so they could see that before and after and where we were trying to go. I love that. I think it's so important. Like we have a list of uh, band copy, for instance, and I go, here is this post with all the band copy and, or even like we're big on copy framework. So I go, here's a framework we will not use. Like I won't use the a bad thing was happening to me and I came out of the ashes and now I'm so amazing framework. I, I that To me, I'm just like, oh, I'm, it's cringe. So I'm like, okay, we don't do that ever with our storytelling, right? Right, right? But then it's having like a set of those rules of like, okay, we like this framework. We don't like this one. And then you can tell the, exactly. the, the customer stories you know, through those lens or through those frameworks. So very cool. So now with TaxJar, you all have been acquired by Stripe. What is next? for the brand with regards to, is it continue to learn from customers? Is it kind of figure out, you know, just the pathway forward? Where do you go kind of for the rest of 2022 and maybe into 2023 from a brand perspective, content perspective? Yeah. So when Stripe acquired TaxJar in June of 2021, uh, Stripe had already started building a product called Stripe Tax, and they had focused on calculations and building a calculations engine that went across over 30 countries. TaxJar, in the meantime, had a full compliance platform that included reporting and filing, but we were only US focused. So we have been marching on this journey for the past year to bring our products closer and closer together. So as we look forward to the end of the year, we're really excited that we've hit some major product milestones in unifying the platform. So we have this kind of one universal sales tax platform that will work across countries. So we're still kind of marching on that pathway. We're also taking a lot of the tax share initial content that we wrote to educate people about tax and finding ways to bring that into the Stripe user experience. Stripe has a really strong user experience, fantastic documentation, and definitely a developer-first kind of audience. And developers and finance leaders definitely have differing levels of expertise when it comes to tax and compliance. So it's been a really interesting journey as marketers to figure out where and when do you sprinkle that right kind of education in or link to a deeper guide when someone's trying to get up and um, started in a seamless experience within Stripe. So taking a lot of that education, that tone about being straightforward and bringing that into Stripe Docs and the Stripe Tax experience. Very cool. I look forward to seeing that play out. Sarah, before I let you go, let people know, one, where can they connect with you online? And two, where can they learn more about TaxJar? I would be happy to connect with anyone through LinkedIn. You can find me, Sarah Strope, on LinkedIn. And you can visit taxshire.com to learn more about taxshire or stripe.com slash tax to learn more about tax overall. Amazing. And I will put links to all of those in the show notes so you all can go and connect with Sarah. You can go check out. If you need sales tax compliance, go check out TaxJar. Sarah, thanks again for coming on the show today. I really appreciate it. Great. Thank you. All right, everybody. That's it for this episode. As always, I'm your host, Jordan Shelton. I'll catch you next time.